today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Closing in on the end of the year, and uh, the time, of course, if you watch any of the, uh, the news shows on uh, television, of course, everybody's doing the interviews with the Prime Minister, and it's uh, the year in review, so to speak, and it's been quite a year in Ontario politics, especially. We obviously had a general election, a change of government, and uh, a lot of other changes, and uh, quite a few surprises. Uh, to talk about this, we're pleased to welcome back to the program Richard Brennan, retired journalist uh, with the Toronto Star, who covered Queen's Park and uh, Parliament Hill for many, many years. Uh, thanks for coming in again. Good to have you here. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me in. Uh, it, it, War Association, 2018 politics. What, what's the word that comes to mind? Chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would think, yeah, things haven't gone as I'm sure a lot of the leaders, be it federal or provincial, had hoped they would. Things have been a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a mess, quite frankly. Well, let's let's focus on Ontario, and I'm sure that we'll branch off into other elements of this because they're they're so intertwined in situations like this. We knew there was going to be a, a provincial election in, in this in 2018. That was happening, and, and I think most people were under the impression that there was probably going to be a change of government. I know there were some polls that said no, it's a lot closer than people think, but it, it, I thought it was obvious that uh, that the, for the most part, people in Ontario were. were pretty tired of the liberal brand and we're looking for something different they were looking for something different i mean they you know they they sent the liberals packing and uh so they're in the penalty box for at least the next you know the next four years for sure and they thought uh you know Ron, or doug ford was going to he was going to be a new face and he was going to uh, take the province in a different direction. Well, I, I, let me back up just a little further than that. Yeah. Because when everybody seemed to be under the impression, that, okay, this government's time is up, there's going to be a change. Uh, we were talking about the potential Premier uh, Patrick Brown. I mean, there that's that's one of the other big stories. I mean, you know, he had his people's guarantee. I mean, he thought he was going to coast to victory. I know the polls started to show that, and we were, I think, trying to wrap our heads around the idea that this guy was going to be the Premier. And then, boom! That is a story in itself. I mean, Patrick Brown, first off, he looked like he was, you know, he could be the next premier. Next thing he knows, uh, you know, he's in a, a bit of a scandal and uh, real or imagined. And so he steps down, then comes back, and then he's going to run, for, you know, and then he drops out again, and he's going to run for uh, the chair of uh, Peel Region and... Doug Ford put the boots to that idea. Then he runs for Brampton. People thought, oh, he doesn't have a chance. Well, guess who's the new mayor of Brampton? It's, I mean, uh, this is all in one year. Yeah. It was uh, unbelievable. And so that, that threw the whole conservative party into a bit of, uh, a, a, bit of a chaotic state. In fact, that they didn't, they, they're losing their leader yeah, Doug Ford steps up. People are saying, you know, is he the guy to do it? And uh, as we all know, he was the guy that did it. But I want to back again, as if as you've been covering this for many, many years, and you had the, the progressive conservatives here in Ontario that thought they were poised to win government. Of course, John Tory thought that a few elections ago, too, and that didn't quite work out. So you never know until they actually they count the votes. We get that. But Brown was doing something to that party. I mean, they were considered still to be the party of Mike Harris, uh, Common Sense Revolution. Uh, these guys are slash and burn. And Brown was trying to move them to the middle. Absolutely. A uh, Bill Davis. And and in hindsight now, Richard, I, I don't know if too many of us actually f- discerned it at the time. Uh, the party hierarchy didn't want to go to the middle. They didn't. And uh, there was a bit of a coup. I mean, there's no question, no question in my mind at all 
that the allegations against Mr. Uh, Mr. Brown were, uh, let's put, they were, they were leaked, whatever you want to call it, by people on the inside who didn't want Brown to be leader. And it was, it was a coup. There's no question in my mind at all on that. And you know he was taking the he was taking the party like you say Al, Bill Davis it was you know it was going to be middle of the road, and very much uh, the old red Tory ideas actually including right down to his environmental stand carbon tax he was yep. okay with the government's the federal government's proposed carbon tax yep. plan uh, LGBTQ issues yeah he's okay with that uh, just about everything they checked off boxes that said no Patrick Brown's too radical he said no no I'm a middle of the road guy and I, I, obviously there was uh, again. There was this this coup, and, and they used obviously this vehicle. But these accusations was the vehicle that they used for it. But it was uh, it was it was not bloodless. That's for sure. Oh no! And it took I I think it uh, it took Patrick Brown a, a while to recover from. I mean, it was just it it threw him for an absolute loop, and I he was bouncing from pillar to post. And you know, I think a, a lot of of Ontarians would have would have accepted his ideas. But they weren't accepted from the inside, and particularly, particularly by the Harper uh, crew. They did not want his his ideas to be implemented whatsoever. So he's gone in in a, in a very messy fashion. There's going to have to be leadership. We're getting closer and closer to this election date. So again, the assumption I think by an awful lot of people is, well, Christine Elliott's going to be the new leader. I mean, how can she not be? And she almost won it last time. She's uh, everybody likes her. Even the opposition parties. There's a lot of respect for her. Slam dunk, right? And oh, that Doug Ford guy's running. Yeah, well, you know what? He hasn't got a chance. Where have you heard that before? Well, just when you think that something's going to happen in politics is when it doesn't happen. I mean, I've been wrong so many times before. And, you know, I, I thought Christine Elliott would probably probably get the nod. But I never discounted Ford because he brought that, that sense of populism to the, to the race. And something that people, he sold people that bumper sticker politics that they were looking for, that kind of, Everything's simplified, you know. Let's, you know, to borrow an expression, let's make Ontario great again, kind of slack. But it was variations on that theme. Oh, it was absolutely, and he he crept up the middle. I mean, Mulroney looked like Mulroney might have a chance, and certainly everybody, you know, thought Christine Elliott certainly had a chance, and you know, would possibly be the next leader. And and he blew up the middle and uh, blew them out of the race. But how did that happen? I mean, you, well, you and I watched the debates. The, I'm talking about the leadership debates yeah, yeah. now. Ford did not perform well at all. Did not look like he was ready to handle this. He sounded very uninformed about a lot of the key issues. Yet they gravitated to him. Because he simplified things. People just want you to give them a simple message. and And he did that. He didn't. He wasn't complicated by any stretch of imagination. They didn't want to hear about you know all the, you know the policy, great policies you're going to bring in. They just wanted a guy who might be different, and and he was. It's uh, it's. I can still picture just about every stop. It depended on what his speech was about, but he had a, a sticker for for the front of the podium, you know, for the people, you know, for free beer, buck of beer, whatever it was going to be. And I guess if you keep hammering that message, it, it eventually resonates. By the way, just before I forget, there's only one brewer left yes, in Ontario selling a buck of beer. Yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah, it was it was that message, that simplified message. Like I say, it's you know, it, it's the kind of message that you you want to give at the door. You can't you can't complicate things and expect people to vote for you. Sure, they want to know your policies are in a in a straightforward, simplified fashion. If you get into the nitty gritty and down in the weeds, you lose the folks. So it was a perfect storm, though. Uh, obviously, the the people within the Progressive Conservative Party wanted to stay on the right wing side, uh, and they found their their person to do that, and that mm-hmm. would be Doug Ford. Uh, and at the same time, you had an Ontario Electric that just said, "You know what? We've had enough of the Liberals. Uh, we're looking for someplace else." Uh, but there was some talk that, well, maybe Andrea Horvath and the NDP have got a shot at this. But you know, when you look at the numbers, they were never really in the ball game. They always, you know, there's always that. I've, like you know, I've covered elections since you know Adam was a pup. But the point is, people always think that the NDP are going to do much better than they actually do. There was nobody happier than Andrea Horvath to get official opposition. I mean, they were they were giddy with excitement, the fact that they got that far. And and they did quite well. I never thought for a second that they would form a government, not even a minority government. Because what happens, there's, a, there's an interesting phenomenon that's occurring now, Richard, and uh, when people become disenchanted with a candidate or a political party, uh, oftentimes they don't switch allegiance, they just don't vote. Well, th- th- that was the trouble with the liberals. I think a lot of the liberals just stayed home. I mean, I never expected them to uh, to certainly get back into power, but you know, under the you know under the the right uh, scenario, they might have got opposition. But I there are just people that just stayed home, and their supporters who maybe it had didn't quite identify with Kathleen Wynne's approach to things. Well, and that was obviously one of the big stories, not so much that they won, but how Doug Ford's uh, meteoric rise to be the leader of the uh, PC party and eventually become premier. Uh, so they, they've, they've had the reins for six months. Give me a, some assessment. I mean, they, in some people's minds, they've just bounced from one controversy to another. Others are saying, no, they're getting things done. Well, there's a, there's a, you know, a bit of both, actually. I think that it, this first six months is a is a bit of a learning curve for any government and i think that the i think doug ford and his his government has found that in spades they haven't been able to bulldoze in a way that they'd hope to do and it it showed i mean we, we can we can go down the list here of things that you know just more recently you know appointing his a old buddy of his to the as the opp commissioner well, you just can't do that stuff. You know, you might be when, you know, you deco labels. You, when you told somebody at deco labels to do something, they did it. You're the boss. Well, it's, And if you want to hire your nephew, you hire your nephew. You hire your nephew. But this is government. It's a totally a different fish, believe me. Uh, there have been a couple of quick resignations that were somewhat surprising. Jim Wilson, who's been there since, what, 1991, I think? A long uh, time. That was a surprise, obviously. Uh, but there a, a couple of other folks, too. Uh, it, that's typical of government, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, not the personal crises that seem to be the, the, the rationale for that, but there's always going to be people that fall out of that. There are some cabinet selections that maybe don't work out, and, and there has to be a reevaluation. Well, the yeah, b- people, people come and go. I, I don't, you know, certainly... Uh, he left under a cloud. 
and 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 that's that's always unfortunate. But you know, faces faces change. The one resignation, and it wasn't political. Was the re- resignation? I forget the name. It doesn't come to my tongue right now. But was basically the, the government's accountant who wouldn't sign off on the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I th- found that she, you know she uh, resigned because she wouldn't. I believe she and wouldn't wouldn't uh, sign off on it. And I found that very telling. Is that they were they were criticizing the liberals for in for inflating the budget and and or, or you know saying that what budget was one thing is actually another thing, and she just wouldn't she wouldn't sign off on what the Tories were saying. So you know I'm thinking, well you're are you kind of being what you just criticized the government for, and that was not being entirely truthful. But how many times have you seen that in all the years you've been covering Queens Park? Uh, it, it's it, this is what going to be. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's like that old line from the the song by the Who. You know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, mm-hmm. same old, same old. Just a different guy calling the shots. It is, and it isn't. We're we're talking in terms of a political uh, scenario. We're talking governments that were in, in diametrically impo- opposed. Sure, that's yeah. Liberals and and the, uh, the the conservatives, the progressive conservatives. We're we're seeing the government's you know they're saying is doing some of the things it said and it, it was going to it wants to bring down the budget uh, and you know pay down the budget and you know tighten the purse strings up some but that's easier said than done because as soon as you tighten the strings one point you're goring somebody's ox mixed metaphors here I understand but you're goring somebody's ox when you do that. And we're already hearing that with out of the Minister of Education, with with cuts to uh, you know in classroom programs and otherwise. Well, and again, I guess one of the first policy decisions they made that caused so much in the way of reverberations was when they said, "Okay, we're not doing cap and trade anymore. That green energy stuff that's gone." Uh, not understanding or maybe not caring, I don't know which one it was, that there's a certain revenue flow that was going to the cities like that for repairs, for housing, things of this nature that dried up like mm. bing with the stroke of a pen. Uh, and, and obviously, that's that's the worst kind of downloading. But, uh, you know, when you say you're going to save $6 billion in efficiencies, but you're not going to lay anybody off, I know I, I don't know how realistic that is. It's unrealistic, I, I guess, is more to the point. But people buy into it. In other words, it's it seems to me that we're at the point now, not just in Ontario, but probably elsewhere in the country as well, where people will tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me what I need to know. That's right. You know, and... Just to, to get back to you know to some of the policies, you know the gov- the government, the Ford government doesn't like what the what you know the environmental policies of the last government or the federal governments, and I think where he's made a mistake on on opposing cap and trade or carbon is the fact that they he's never he never really give a lot of thought to the fact of well how much it's going to cost to oppose it. They're talking. There are estimates of thirty million dollars it's going to cost to fight the federal government's plan to bring in cap and trade. You know that money is money that he could have used to pay down the deficit. Yeah. So there's so many contradictions I find in many governments, but in particular this government is the contradiction of saying one thing and doing another. 
What do you, I've got a, <clears throat> excuse me, got about a minute left here. What do you see coming up in 2019 then? They, they've had six months in office. Uh, as Are they going in the direction they want to go in now? Is, I mean, the Tavender thing that you just referenced has not been resolved yet. Uh, that's obviously something that's going to be on their blotter right in the, as soon as they come back. For, well, I guess even before they come back for, uh, for their, their Christmas break, because it's mid-February when they actually get back into the legislature. Well, things will start to smooth out. We all, we've all seen governments flail away, and you know, you know, you hope they do flail away for the first six months. They're, they'll have to kind of step back, takes a break during the Christmas time, and step back and, and figure out where they're headed, and maybe smooth out some of the rough edges. And you'll see it happen. Richard Brandon, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. And uh, listen, we'll talk again in the new year. But uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks, Bill. Great having you here. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.